After many nights of travel, you arrive at your destination. The ancient city, much older than the country in, with, in which its border it now lies, was once a tr thriving metropolis, but most of the glory and splendor is now long gone. You make your way past the old Roman amphitheater, once the home of brave gladiators and talented actors. It is now little more than a cramped slum, containing dozens of small houses and narrow alleyways. Making your way further into the old part of town, passing wooden hovels and crumbling ruins, you finally reach the place you were looking for. An ancient stone building dedicated to a pagan god. But unlike other ungodly temples in the area, this one has not been torn down or had its purpose converted. Even though your undead body have no need for air, you involuntarily draw a deep breath as you knock on the door, dreading who or what might answer. The World of Dark Ages podcast presents Side Quests, tidbits and inspiration for the Dark Ages. Greetings, dear listeners, and welcome to Side Quests. My name is Jacob. And I'm Peter. And, and now uh, we're, I'm, I'm actually going to send you on a side quest, Jacob. Uh, you, you live in a fairly old city, uh, do, don't you? Well, technically, the thing is, um, when people ask, I say I live in Copenhagen, but actually what I do is I live inside Copenhagen, but the city that I live in is not Copenhagen. Uh, it's an interesting story. It's not a medieval story, but I think it's a story that can show some, some interesting historical aspects because originally, of course, Copenhagen was surrounded by a wall and thus a relatively small city and then there were villages and towns dotted around it. Now, by the um, sort of early to mid-19th century, Copenhagen had been industrialized. It was a city full of stench and smoke and everything. And where I live is a city called Frederiksberg, which was at that time a town uh, just outside of Copenhagen that people liked visiting in order to get some fresh air. It had uh, a very nice park, uh, actually. Uh, it was a park connected to a castle, which had been open to the public. It had uh, restaurants, it had um, alleys with trees and everything. And uh, especially the wealthy and powerful people of Copenhagen liked to come and visit Frederiksberg. And then when the walls came down, what happened is what happens whenever uh, a, a city had its walls taken down, it began absorbing uh, villages and towns around itself and making it part of the greater metropolitan area. But the rich and powerful of Copenhagen, they feared that if Frederiksberg was absorbed, it would just become another part of Copenhagen, smelly, dirty, they would lose their oasis. So they used their power to ensure that Frederiksberg remained its own city. So right now, Frederiksberg is a city, and population-wise, it's a very large city. Area-wise, it's very small, and it's surrounded on all sides by Copenhagen. Uh, it has its own, uh, it's its own municipality, it has, it has its own mayor and everything, but you can literally go from the city of Frederiksberg to the city of Copenhagen by crossing a street. So uh, I actually, I live inside a relatively old city, but the city that I actually live in technically isn't all that old, but we can always go with Copenhagen because it's, it's you know, it's it's difficult to explain all of this. So I just say, I live in Copenhagen. Yeah. Uh, let, let's uh, keep that in mind for now, but uh, <laughs> because you're, uh, you're raising an interesting point that I want to come back to. But uh, 
I, I was more thinking of, of the actual architecture because uh, at least Copenhagen has some very old buildings and, and houses, doesn't it? It does, yes. Um, mainly churches. Mm. And the reason for this is that um, more so than in other places, churches was built of stone. Denmark, for those of you who don't know, is part of an area that also encompasses southern, especially southwestern uh, Sweden, which originally was part of Denmark, but that's another discussion. Um, northern and northwestern Germany and uh, the northern parts of uh, the Netherlands, all that area does not really have any bedrock. We're on chalk and limestone, which uh, one of the things it means is that we have some amazingly clear groundwater, but it also means that building stones wasn't very easy to get. So older cities in Denmark, buildings tended even more so than in other cities where stone was available, tended to be made of uh, wood and wattle and daub. So um, either mud or clay or animal dung mixed with straw and then put into a timber frame. Now you did find stones, obviously. Um, for example, there's a lot of, of large boulders in Denmark that were originally part of Sweden or Norway that was transported down here during the, um, the last ice age. And these stones were so valuable because there weren't a lot of them that they were used for building churches. So like in many other places, the oldest buildings in Copenhagen are churches, but also because so many um, so uh, many other buildings were made of wood, they burned down over time because most big cities have had big fires. Yeah, uh, and and that that raises an interesting or or that brings me to the point that I want to make that usually the the oldest uh, buildings in a city in Europe at least is some kind of, of church or temple or has been a temple that has then been converted to a church. Uh, but that is, of course, because in, in our world, in the real world, uh, people don't live as long and, and changes can, can happen fairly quickly from one generation to another. Uh, but I, I want to use the side quest uh, as a means to uh, raise the issue, raise the question on how you can use uh, architecture and and buildings and and the series itself to uh, to set the mood for a story. Uh, for example, the city that I was describing in the opening narration uh, is the city of Nîmes in France, which has a very old Roman amphitheater or, or Colosseum or whatever you want to call it. Um, and during the the centuries after um, after Christianity, in the I think it was the fourth or fifth century. Uh, the the Colosseum, since since the Roman Empire was crumbling at this point, and they couldn't afford uh, putting on massive displays in in the Colosseum, uh, and um, foreign invaders had starting to show up uh, quite often. Uh, parts of the uh, of the upper parts of the, uh, the Colosseum was torn down. All uh, of the bleachers were uh, torn down. Uh, and it, it was more or less converted into uh, a fort or a castle uh, with living quarters inside or buildings inside uh, the uh, what was now the, the walls of uh, of the fort. Uh, and it stayed that way until the 19th century when when it was decided that it was to be converted back into an actual ancient Roman Colosseum. Uh, <laughs> so so what so so. What was once um, a, a place of splendor then became 
uh, first a place of, of military value and then more or less, as, as I understand it, a slum. Uh, but again, that, that's our world. That's, uh, that's uh, how, how, we, how it happened in the real world. Uh, but I'm thinking that if that city had uh, a vampire or uh, a few vampires who were actually around when it was when the Colosseum was first built, perhaps they would have wanted to to preserve it in in some way because they would probably have the means and the resources to do it. Uh, and and also if if you are a, a, a vampire worshipper of a pagan god, then you probably wouldn't want to be. Uh, as uh, enthusiastic if uh, the, the new Christian government wanted to tear down your uh, your temple and or, or convert it into a storehouse or, or anything similar like that uh, and and so that that's kind of what, what I want to talk about that uh, uh, what what buildings are still around like you mentioned in, in Denmark and Copenhagen the old buildings are, are mostly churches because those are the ones that you could build or, or you could afford to, to build out of stone. Uh, but what if there were vampires around who wanted to make something else out of stone or or wanted to stop um, stop things changing use for it? Uh, so I'm thinking, what, do, do you have any ideas on that or, or opinions of it? Or Well, uh, it's definitely something that uh, I've seen happen also during uh, during play um when we first played the um transylvania chronicles campaign uh, each of us were given our own city in uh, the siebenburgen area of what is today romania uh, as princes and obviously um those of us who played characters with an interest in in politics and uh, influencing mortals we started influencing what was built so the result was that these cities gained walls that they did not have in uh, historical times because we were worried about enemies coming in and trying to take over the city we took the long view we had, we had seen um the mongols come through the turks come through so uh, we used our power and influence to uh, sponsor or um or uh, sort of, of get the the local uh, rich and powerful to build larger walls because we'd also seen how cities grew and we obviously wanted our cities to grow and a city can at that point could only really grow inside the walls so we started influencing the construction of larger walls that encompassed a bigger area that that encompassed an area where there had not been any buildings so these cities ended up with what uh, what would today be considered very, very large, very elaborate walls where people, archaeologists, would probably start talking about, well, why did the city invest these amount of resources in buildings, large walls like that? Yes, exactly. So, so again, you have the, the uh, difference between the real world and, and uh, the vampire world. And, and I'm also thinking that... Uh, not not only would would perhaps um, the the vampiric overlords lurking in the shadow decide to actually build things, but perhaps they would want to tear down things or or prevent the building uh, of of certain things that uh, uh, that would have been built in our real world. So so this this kind of goes out to to all of the uh, people writing their uh, campaigns that 
but think about how how you can use this to to uh, to set the mood for your store or to to set the feel that that perhaps in in a very Christian city there is still for some reason uh, a synagogue or or a mosque if that fits because there is a very ancient and powerful vampire uh, of that religion that has managed to to influence the mortal uh, lawmakers to allow the the mosque or synagogue uh, to stay and yeah and it would work very well with the rise of the guilds because as as we've mentioned before mm. guilds tended to be almost uh, mystery cults once they really got started they had their own um they had their own um, rituals and everything. Uh, so, And they began building these rather elaborate guild halls. So you could certainly see a vampire using their power and influence to have a guild hall constructed on an old pagan site. Um, for example, if we take the city of uh, Lübeck in uh, northern Germany, one of the founding uh, members of the Hanseatic League, uh, the guild of blue water merchants, uh, uh, sorry, blue water captains, they built uh, a very, very beautiful, huge um, guild hall, which still stands today. It's a, a restaurant, uh, and that stands just across from uh, the, um, the Church of St. Jacob. And you could certainly see this having been built on an, an old pagan holy site, um, because you might think that, okay, so the church was built in order to combat the influence yeah. of the pagans, uh, and then some um, one or more Cainites get together and decide, okay, well, we're going to build on our old holy site, and there's obviously going to be basements, and with the, the rituals that the... Um, the guild members are initiated into as part of being members of the guild and the secrecy of the guild, they could start a revival of some of their pagan beliefs. Yeah, exactly. And I, I also f find it quite interesting that just as we mentioned that they changed the purpose that the, the guild hall is now a restaurant. And I, I wonder if, uh, if, if a Canite uh, member of the guild from back in the 1300s would be, uh, would be okay with it now being a restaurant. <laughs> uh, but but yeah, yeah and, and you mentioned another thing that the the um, uh, kind of combat between uh, between the pagan and and the Christian uh, in in Uppsala um, or, or what is now old Uppsala uh, there was the great Viking temple that um, Adam from Bremen uh, another wrote about where they had these big sacrifices every nine years uh, and so so when it came to uh, when Christianity was was to build a new church at the place, they actually built it on top of uh, the the torn down um, pagan temple just to show who was boss. Um, and again, if if you still had vampires around to influence that, perhaps they they would then either try to influence it so it wouldn't be on that particular spot, or perhaps they they could have made something else, like you mentioned, a guild hall or um, uh, or, or similar somewhere else where you could still preserve the um, the, the pagan rituals. Um, and I'm, I'm thinking that this is also something that, that you can do, not just for, for buildings or, uh, or when it comes to religion, but um, switch it around. Perhaps the, the, there's a Toreador in Rome who has uh, had uh, their favorite brothel for, for thousands of years and would like to keep it that. So... Uh, 
even today in modern times perhaps it it couldn't be a brothel but maybe a nightclub or something that so you can you can kind of tie in uh, the the purpose of of the place or or the building uh, and and connect it to the characters in your campaign to show what is important to this particular uh, character or, or group of people. Uh, like you mentioned, the park in Fredericksburg, which um, uh, is, is quite a huge park. And uh, I, I, I could imagine that uh, in a lot of other places, and especially if it wasn't uh, part of, of the castle grounds, that would probably have been built over by now because it's it's prime real estate. And, and like you mentioned, it's very close to, to central Copenhagen. Uh, but perhaps in, in the world of darkness, uh, that has been the hunting ground for, for a gangrel uh, for, for hundreds of years. And they, they have fought to keep it a park just as almost a literal oasis in this huge urban sprawl. And that's, that's where you can find, uh, well, not the animals, because they are at, at the zoo, which is also kind of close <laughs> by. But still, it's, you, do, do you get my feel here, where, where you can have, yeah. you can have uh, change um, or places that, that isn't just buildings or uh, that has been around for a long time, but, but also places like um, in, in Stockholm, in Sweden, in the 70s, there, were, uh, there was this huge building boom, and they were tearing down old nice houses and, and parks and trees. Uh, and it was actually it was actually called the Battle of the Elm Trees because uh, in, in one place in Stockholm there were these huge old elm trees uh, that the city wanted to tear down to build I think it was a subway station, but people protested <laughs> and at least some of the elms were spared, uh, and that to me very much says that it's it's either a, a, a gangrel or perhaps even a, a fey or changeling if you want to go that direction. That want to keep at least some some feel or or some kind of breathing space uh, in in this huge city, um, and I I've been intrigued by that for a while or, or like use uh, th- this kind of thinking when when you describe your um, your story because in um, in in a lot of books and and movies and stuff like that the um, the city or the place where you said it is as much as part of uh, of the story uh, as as the, the characters that run around in it. Uh, like New yeah. York, for example, is is a perfect example of uh, of a city that is a character in and, and of itself. Uh, Gormenghast uh, and uh, oh, yes, Venice very much. Uh, and um, Minas Tirith in in Lord of the Rings. That uh, try try to make the city or the the place not just something that that your characters are physically in but also make it feel connected to them and make things uh, uh, be important to them uh, the place where you were first embraced is is that something that you want to remember as as a fond memory because it was the start of your own life or would you just rather burn it to the ground because it's a horrible memory for you and, and your sire was an asshole. Um, yeah, exactly. Uh, and um, I th- we, we talk a lot uh, in, in our reviews and things about historical accuracy, but it's I think it's also important to, uh, to realize that uh, 
I mean, it doesn't have everything doesn't have to be accurate. The thing is that vampires uh, or any the, the presence of any supernatural, but especially vampires with their connection to human civilization will change things as long as that change is something where it, it seems reasonable. I mean, they're not going to result in massive uh, sweeping changes that is going to uh, alter the face of Europe. But just things like maybe buildings in uh, the Dark Ages version of Europe had a larger tendency towards cellars mm. uh, because vampires need vampires need a place to stay, especially like very defensible buildings. If you have a city with um, a stone wall, then that will have towers, and maybe uh, all of these towers have a basement which when they were originally built people said well okay that's going to be a storage basement and then for some reason after they were built everybody forgot about this basement that is in a very very defensible building um and then you have a perfect place for a vampire haven so uh, vampires will will i would assume try to affect how cities uh, develop and how buildings developed uh, things like trying to um, have it so that there's no curfew or at least not that much of a curfew um, just encouraging more light at night um, encouraging businesses to stay open longer all these sorts of things which is going to affect how uh, towns and cities are and how you describe them when uh, when people move about in them because like I, like you said it becomes very important when you're doing when you're doing historical gaming i mean not not everyone uh, have have spent time reading about how the middle ages are and even someone like me and i assume like you who've spent quite some time on it it's still difficult to imagine I mean, I've I've walked through medieval streets in places like Lübeck and um, Venice, and when I walk through them, I really get a sense of how incredibly different things yeah. must have been. And that's modern streets. I mean, the streets of Lübeck these days they 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 are modern streets. In the Middle Ages, they would have been uh, mud with perhaps treadstones. The um, the squares would have been cobbled, but otherwise I would have been wading through mud and rather disgusting things yeah, as well. Um, yeah, exactly. Um, which also then translates to what people are, are wearing. One of the things that, that I know you are an expert in, uh, there's a reason why boots were quite popular. Yeah, uh, yeah exactly. And and um, not only boots, but you had these kind of, of wooden uh, clogs called patinas which is it's basically platform shoes and some of them could be really really tall kind of for the same reason that platform shoes are tall today to show <laughs> off that you don't really have to do anything uh, work related you're, you're just going to to uh, prance it down the streets to your uh, to meet your friends or, or whatever uh and some places, if they were, was it red, then you were a prostitute? Yeah, red has been uh, often a, a color of, of prostitutes. In in Denmark, I actually uh, read about this. For, uh, red, uh, the, the prostitutes had to have red hoods, or at least partially called yeah. red hoods. Uh, yeah. Which start, gets me starting to think about the little red riding hood. Uh, but that's, that's, that's a different topic <laughs> for a different day. But, uh, but, but yeah, I, um, I, I want to... Uh, uh, walk down the same streets that you were with how um, 
how the the cities are built and not necessarily just the the practical that what are they building are they building more cellars are they building uh, larger uh, or more expansive city walls but but perhaps in uh, again go back to the roman toreador perhaps they really really prefer the, the kind of old uh, third century architecture with with the kind of arcs and pillars that they had then uh, and and so they kind of uh, encourage people a thousand years later to keep on building that so you can there, there could be some quarters of the city that for some reason looks like they were built during the roman times uh, because yeah it, Toriador going gothic arches no 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 that's a modern thing that's never going exactly to catch on. and and uh, keep it up with uh, uh, painting the uh, the uh, the statues and and the buildings themselves because even if you had in medieval um, rome you still had a lot of the old the, the buildings and ruins around they didn't look the same as they did back in roman times because the romans liked to paint uh, not only the statues and the Greek did as well, but not only the statues, but the the pillars and buildings themselves. So this kind of bare white marble uh, wouldn't be around um, back back in the Roman days. Uh, and you have a kind of similar thing with with uh, Catholic churches after Protestantism uh, comes about, because uh, exactly yeah. you would have these fantastic church paintings that would. Um, in some cases, they were they were painted over or uh, scrubbed away, but in some cases, they were um, would put, put a layer of chalk over uh, or, uh, or or gypsum, which means that in some cases they would actually be preserved behind the gypsum. So hundreds of years later, when churches were being restored, they would chip away the, the outer layer and they would discover these fantastical uh, paintings uh, from from uh, the Middle Ages. Uh, and yeah, I think that's 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 an important thing because um, I think a lot of of modern people who are either not Christian or have grown up in in Protestant countries or in countries where you don't have these old churches that were built before the advent of Protestantism, mm. they are not aware of just how decorated um, churches were on the inside because the mass was in Latin, which people didn't understand. So they basically they put comics yeah. on the walls yeah exactly the christian comics because like you said the the mass was in latin and, and people didn't understand it but if the the priest uh, was speaking very dramatically and and with a loud voice and and then all of a sudden pointing to a painting of the hellfires uh, of of hell and people being tormented then, then the, the peasantry would understand that yeah okay this is something bad and and you could point to, to paintings of <laughs> Um, uh, of uh, Jonah and uh, the whale fish, and uh, or uh, to Jesus on the cross, or, or anything like that, and and it's like you said, it's it's basically a, a comic book, um, and and again, in if you want to do uh, do something with that in your campaign, that for some reason all of the the bad people on the paintings of the church look like a particular vampire prince who ruled the city hundreds of years ago, or perhaps still does. Uh, and and so the and it's a prank from from a Malkavian to paint uh, uh, to paint all the demons in in the church as the prince. Or you could you could have secret messages yeah. encoded in the paintings uh, where 
uh, a member of the Canite heresy might have influenced the latest p- uh, painter because sometimes the paintings were uh, renewed or painted mm. over. So you could have someone trying to encode some kind of secret Canite heresy or other sectarial uh, iconography within the paintings, uh, both to try and influence the people watching it, but also just as a message to other vampires who might, if the church isn't too faithful, come in and take a look at yeah. them. Yeah, and, and again, this could of course work with not only with with churches but with other buildings as well uh the again the monasteries that seem to be inhabited by nothing but <laughs> vampires would probably have something like this as well or the guild halls uh, or um or outside on the city walls why why not have um a place nearby again i'm uh, where, where people could just uh, perhaps not paint something extravagant but but just basically graffiti uh Again, graffiti is something that been, has been around forever as well, and we've talked about uh, um, the Viking graffiti in uh, in Istanbul. Uh, well, then it was Constantinople, but now it's not Istanbul, or it's not Constantinople. And you, yeah, you because you can't go back to Constantinople. No, you can't go back to Constantinople. <laughs> um, and and yeah, so so again, uh, work out. For I, I would actually like to challenge my uh, or our listeners to uh, take a walk about town and see what not not only buildings but also like structures like if is there an old uh, city well uh, or or anything like that some kind of um, building or place that has been around for at least as long as uh, the, the place itself or the city itself and kind of think about what what could this mean to uh, a vampire or, or why is this particular building left standing while another has been torn down and, and try to get the feel on, on how this could be uh, included in your chronicles uh, why why is this park still there and, and why isn't that one and, and so on and for our American listeners, just you know, come and visit us in, us in Europe and we'll show you around yeah, or, or actually uh, speak with with uh, the the native uh, um, americans and see what kind of places they uh, think is important because there are still places not necessarily buildings but again it it could be uh, a sacred grove or and i apologize if i totally misrepresent anything now but but again rivers uh, ponds uh, mountains uh, you have the old man in the mountain uh, in the U.S., that that would obviously be a place uh, for for worship and and power for certain people, and it doesn't mean anything to other people. Uh, so you you have all of these things uh, that that you can use in your games uh, to to set the mood. Like I, I mentioned, the, the a mosque in a very Christian city, uh, or change it around. It doesn't have to be a religious building. That for for some instance. Uh, in in a, uh, a fairly new city or a, a city that has been renovated, perhaps due to a fire, all of the new buildings are built in stone, except for this one guild lodge that for some reason has been rebuilt in nothing but timbers in the style that an, a Viking from 400 years ago would recognize. Oh, that is an amazing idea because, as as I mentioned before, uh, in the middle of the 13th century, uh, Lübeck burned down, and then it, a city statute was passed that the entire city had to be built of uh, of brick. Mm. 
um, including the, the city wall. There's still a part of the city wall left that is just, not only is it amazingly uh, beautiful to look at, but it's built in like the, the middle to end of the 13th century. And looking at it, it could have been built in the 18th century because it's made of brick. Um, so I, I like the idea of, of everything being built of brick and then just that one building not being built of, of brick and, you know, visitors might ask locals, why why isn't that built of brick? And the locals go, well, it just isn't. You know, they never think about yeah. it. It's just, that's the way it is. Um, we, we don't talk about it yeah. or, or something like that. Yeah, and, and it can it can be the same with, with places because usually or quite often you, you can have these stories, like like you said, it's just, that's just the way it is. And, and you can have a local myth that, oh, we don't, we, we don't go into this park after midnight or we don't uh, we, we always wash our clothes at this side of the river and 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 if someone asks why and everyone looks like well that's just because how you're, it's done duh and and you can incorporate these things that so why why are everyone uh, passing the the this particular building on the other side of the street or uh, why uh, do, why why do people uh, sometimes throw a dead chicken into this particular well uh, f- because it could be a Nosferatu living down there who, who makes sure that he is fed or something. Uh, so, yeah, yeah I'm, uh, um, I, I think we could probably wrap this up if, if you don't have anything. Uh, well, I have one yeah. thing that I, that I thought of when you talked about uh, Uppsala and actually old Uppsala mm. because if we take uh, the oldest still existing uh, city in Denmark, Ribe, uh, that's also actually on a new place. Old Ribe uh, was in a different place. Uh, if I recall correctly, it's because uh, the Ribe River, uh, as rivers are want to, changed its course, and so they had to move the city. And the place where the old city was, uh, this is now a living uh, Viking village slash museum where you can go and there are people acting but if you take it into the context of vampire, perhaps once Christianity starting started creeping in, local uh, pagan vampires uh, started using um, earthworks and throwing stuff in the river in order to change its course so that when they saw what was going to happen, the new city with its cathedral and its very Christian influence was built in a different place, and then they allowed the old city to decay, but they still had their places of worship there. They could still uh, spend their days there uh, underground and then come into the new city to hunt during uh, during the night. So cities that have moved, and there are a number of examples of cities that have moved, uh, there might, uh, in the world of darkness, be a more supernatural uh, connection there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so... Uh, and and there are many many reasons, like you mentioned, that uh, why why cities could move. Uh, in at least in Scandinavia, and I don't really know about other parts of the world, but because of the ice age, the the weight of the ice actually pushed down the land below the the sea level. Uh, so during mm. during the last tens of thousands of years, the the land has been slowly rising. So, for example, where where I live, I live kind of on a hill, despite the area I live in is very flat. But uh, but what's basically the farms farmlands just a few miles from me. That was just like 1500 years ago. That was the bottom of the sea, and this place was an archipelago. <laughs> archipelago. Uh, and there's um, a city close by called Enköping, uh, where they actually have in the 
uh, in the pavement and, and in the cobblestones in the uh, center of town, uh, they have uh, different lines to show where, uh, how high the river running through would have been during different times uh, in, in history, which is quite amazing, <laughs> actually. Uh, so, yeah, one, once again, I would like to um, wrap this up with uh, an encouragement for people to uh, not just make cities or towns or, or castles uh, the, the physical location that your uh, campaign takes place in. Give it a bit of character itself. Use it to to set the mood and and perhaps surprise your uh, your players when when you add in something non-historical uh, or at least not something historical in real world uh, in the real world, but something that could add uh, that has an explanation in the world of darkness. Yeah. Uh... I think that sounds like a, a really cool idea and I would love to hear from any of our listeners if they have like anything that they consider very uh, iconically medieval in the place where they live. Um, so next week we will be looking at uh, another Dark Ages book, Libella Sanguinis 1. Uh, but for now, it's goodbye from me, Jacob. And from me, Peter. Farewell and see you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye.